up, everybody? This is Raj Nation, founder of Startup Hype Man, and you are listening to the Sassholes Podcast. All right, welcome to Sassholes, the podcast, a show dedicated to issues within the software as a service, aka SaaS industry. Um, I'm Jamie Kearney. We got Pete and Jason, the, uh, our other fellow Sassholes. We have a combined 100 years of making mistakes in this industry and we're no, uh, we have no qualms about talking about it on the air. Um, today, oh wait, before we get started, you gotta, you gotta rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts, smash that like button on Facebook, Instagram, follow us on Twitter, LinkedIn, reach out to us anytime you want. Today, we are joined with a very special guest, uh, Rajiv Nathan from Startup Hype Man. Now, we have said on the podcast multiple times, Hey, if you want to talk to us anytime, reach out to us. Raj took us up on that offer, and we're going to talk about everything uh, and anything inside his world and his company. But before we get started, we have an ad. Um, oh! This, this podcast was brought to you by NeuroNoodle. Hey, athletes, the season's starting up again. Go get a doodle of your noodle brain map before the season starts, so that if you do, unfortunately, have one of those c-word concussions you will have a baseline of how you can actually compare your brain to other brains visit neuronoodle.com for the concussion protocol tell them the sassel sent you and you get 50 percent off also if you if you're suffering from adhd or any mental health issues reach out to neuronoodle.com i have a lot of history with this company uh, my daughters have used it uh, multiple times for the anxiety that they suffered during covid and i highly recommend it. once again people tell them, can, can- can people compare their brains to Pete's brain? Yeah. So if you want to be, uh, it's hard yeah, to compare. It's very hard to compare. <laughs> um, we've done elephant to Pete's brain, and they're very similar. If you want to, if you want to increase the, the eloquence of your communication, care, compare your brain to mine. <laughs> so you can, it gives you a lot of, a lot of confidence. All right. So joke of the day. Pete. Carney. Carney. Yes, Pete, yes. Carney. Yeah. You watch the Food Channel? Um, not really. Well, shoot, you should, because you would have heard about that Italian chef who died. Oh, yeah. How'd he die? He passed away. <laughs> okay, leave us a comment on our blog, Assessles.now. Now, before we um, get into Raj, and Raj is here, we're going to go through some shout-outs. Uh, and news. So, Pete, get started. Amy Laughlin. I forgot her maiden name. That's what screws me. I actually got her the job before at March 1st slash Divine. We, uh, she was, when we were with the newspaper, she was, uh, crap, I forgot what she was. But she was was, good at it. She was good. She was good. (laughs) She was really good. She was really good so, at it, guys. So memorable, Amy. Yep. Amy's great, by the way. So. <laughs> yep. what, what was your maiden name? I don't remember either. She's been Amy Laughlin for forever. She's got a twin sister. Identical twin sister. All right. News. Um, Unemployed. Next. <laughs> All right. So I think that gets us into the meat of the podcast. So, Raj, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and your company, Startup Hype Man? Awesome. Thanks for having me, guys. I feel like I'm on like drive time radio right now. This yeah. is so fun. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> Literally. No yeah. one listens to drive time radio. Hey, we got some similarities. Pete can honk. <laughs> Pete can honk and the car will have sound effects. Yeah, 
Um, All right. So anyways, a little bit of background about myself. My name is Rajiv Nathan, aka Raj Nation. uh, And I founded a company called Startup Hype Man several years ago, kind of on a simple premise. There were a lot of um, CEOs, founders, revenue leaders I was speaking with who were just kind of flat out telling me some variation of, hey, man, we suck at telling our story. And it's holding us back from, you know, depending on stage of company, if they were early stage, it was like, well, we can't raise capital because of this. They were scaling. It was like, well, our conversion rates suck. Um, or, hey, we're, we're, our, our company is growing and everyone's saying something different, right? Uh, or we're caught in this feature battle every time we get into a demo, right? These are all different variations of them being like, our story isn't right. And so what I do is work with companies who are having those kinds of issues and help them essentially not suck at how they pitch themselves and how they tell their story. And so we'll do that through essentially figuring out what's the right scalable sales narrative that they can leverage. And then how do they infuse that into their outreach into their demo call process, into their overall customer engagement uh, to ultimately scale up their revenue and, and become badasses and in their own right, their own heavyweight champ of their story. Gotcha. So how would you, like, let's, let's just turn that right away. We suck at telling the Sassholes podcast story. How would you, how would you sell that up to <laughs> I love that. Um, so the biggest thing I always look at as like a starting point is how does someone give like the soundbite pitch or like the elevator pitch? Yeah. Um, Cause I think, and I'll tell you, because I, I often will talk to people who are like, well, if I have like an hour with them, I, I can really get the point across. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, okay, but you don't always get that hour with someone and you can't just be like, well, once I get an hour, then I'm good. You got to just be good off, you know, out of the gate. Um, or I'll, I'll hear people be like, you know, oh, I'm just like, I'll ask them, like, okay, so like, what's your elevator pitch or what's your pitch? And they're like, well, I'm not prepared. And I'm like, well, but you know, what's not going to happen is no one's ever going to say, Hey, sir. Hey ma'am, not today, but tomorrow at this time, I'm going to ask you this question. And then I want you to be prepared. So you just have to like know it off the bat. And I think the elevator pitch really is like the first part of getting that story straight because outside of being like a nice 30 to 60 second soundbite, it's also the thing that is the core like building block for all of your messaging and all of your outward facing communication. Um, To me, an elevator pitch is like, uh, the analogy I like to draw is like, if you've seen the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, you know that like that intro song is actually Will Smith's pitch for the show. And that's the lyrics of that song tell the upfront story so that every episode of the show can make sense. Wait, you just blew my mind there. (laughs) Will Smith pitched the show? Is he the one who created, did Will Smith create that show and pitch it or was he... I mean, I think he was tasked with, I think he was asked to be on the show. I don't know if he pitched it to exactly. Oh, I, when you said that, I was like, wait a second. The guy no, I mean, in the sense of like that intro song, right? Now, this is a story all about, all about how, how, yeah. that is the elevator pitch to the viewing audience for the show itself. Yeah. And that sets up the right like foundation to understand the episodes. Because if you had never seen that introduction or heard that introduction and you watched an episode, you'd spend the entire time trying to figure out what's going on here. But that intro gives you the right basis where you can watch episode one, episode 31, episode 71, and have a baseline understanding of what's going on. Just like the odd couple. The odd couple used to do yeah. that too. Remember that, Pete? Yeah. That's right. I always why, think... why you ask me, Ferrara? Because yeah, <laughs> your mustache is gray. Yeah. My, my question is on, on pitches. I always hear people do pitches. In fact, we've had people do pitches on the show. And sometimes yeah. Pete and I sort of make fun of them. NBA speak. It drives me nuts in it. You know, I always, I, I'm a guy who likens myself to, I, I don't know if you've read the book, probably have Stephen Krug, Don't Make Me Think. 
Um, it's a great book on, 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 on UI, UX type of development, but it's also just a great book in life. Tell it exactly like it is in layman terms, immediately get that message out there. I shouldn't have to ride the elevator up and down to finally understand what you're talking about. And, um, you know, an elevator pitch to me is boom. And I agree with you on what you said. You can't sit there and say, Hey, what do you do? Hold on a second. Hold on a second. Let me figure this out. You're, you're, you're lost by that time. What's your talk? I mean, when, when you're crafting these messages, are you removing some of the buzzword lingo that gets thrown around a lot? I think the latest buzzword lingo in uh, recruiting is AI. That's been going on for about five years in the recruiting space. Like, <laughs> just throw AI in there and everything make, thinks it makes sounds great. No acronyms. Get rid of acronyms. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. The answer is yes. I'm, I work to remove the marketing buzzwords, the jargon. Uh, I actually literally today, my LinkedIn status was dear marketers, please don't let your English degree get in the way of good copy. That is all. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I think like we want to sound like we're like the smartest person in the room, but you really have to, um, you got to meet your audience where they are. And I, I always like to look to like entertainment as like the guiding force for a lot of this stuff. Like that's my, my ethos is think like an entertainer. I like to look at, there's a actually a song by Jay-Z from many years ago where he talked about like his path to making it big. And he says, I dumbed down for my audience and I doubled my dollars. <laughs> like it's, it's kind of like that simple. Dumb yeah. down might be like the wrong way to think of it, but figure out where your audience is, meet them there instead of trying to be over their head and bringing them to you, meet them where they are today. And if we do that, then like we don't focus so much on all the bells and whistles. You give just enough information that gets someone interested to learn more. Yeah. And one of the big things I'm like, like dogmatic about is like, I don't want to hear the phrase actionable insights. If you have a platform that produces data, yeah. uh, I don't want to hear like data driven. I don't want to hear any of that stuff. And, or even like, you know, we can even extend it to like analogies. Analogies can work, but you got to like pick and choose your spots with that. The number of companies I have heard use the analogy, we're the money ball for blank. It's so overused. And I, and my problem with it is it's not even like a clear analogy because what it fails to acknowledge every single, I don't know if y'all are baseball fans, but like what it fails to acknowledge that analogy is that the Oakland A's of 2001, which it's referring to, sure, they had all these like scrappy players through data. They also had the MVP that year. Yeah. And even with all that, they still lost in the they first lost. round of the playoffs. Yeah. So uh, I think it, I think it falls short in that aspect. Um, so you know the way you really want to hone in on this and how do you meet your audience where they are? And Pete, I know you said you hate acronyms, but but I use an acronym to be able to like figure this out and figure out a formula. And here we go. You're shaking your head no, but you're gonna you're gonna get an acronym and you're gonna like it. You're gonna thumbs up me by the end of it, which is very simply uh, I call it the Capasa elevator pitch formula. Uh, and if you know Spanish, you know, que pasa means what's up in Spanish. And that's what you're trying to do with this introduction. You're trying to tell people what's up with your company, which is, and it's an acronym, P-A-S-A, which stands for problem, approach, solution, action. The better you can articulate that problem up front, the more well-defined the problem is, the more the solution writes itself and the less jargony you have to be about it. And the less you have to actually say about your solution, because they're already thinking about it in their head. And you're just kind of like reinforcing that a belief that they're thinking. How'd you get into doing this stuff? <laughs> um, how'd I get into doing this? So my brain is really kind of, there's always been like in some way, like obsessed with communication coming. Like literally, if you go back to like when I was younger and like a kid and growing up, what was the thing I loved most, which I still love pro wrestling ongoing story, right? All about the art of how do you pitch 
how do you pitch that you're going to be beat the other guy that week or, or that the bad guy should win or the good guy should win. Uh, when I was playing like the sports video games growing up, I would have my own announcer, like an RBI baseball. I'd have like my own announcers going on in my head. Um, Ooh, right? Wait, who'd you, who, what team was your favorite team in RBI baseball? It was the Cardinals uh, for sure, right? Because you'd steal all the bases. <laughs> well, I had to be the I had to be the Cubs, even though they were like crappy. Oh, yeah. Um, although I'm I did, a Sox like, fan. Think, we I can end this call right now. Though, I'm a yeah. Sox fan. I can't stand. But I, I think in that year, I think Tim Raines was on the White Sox, and he was like crazy fast in yeah. that game. So I yeah, probably played with the White Sox a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I've just always cared about it, and then I ended up like getting into marketing originally. Um, from marketing, I transitioned into sales. And then my first company was actually around like personal brand development with my co-founder for that. The thing we were best at with that was figuring out what someone's like, not their company elevator pitch, what's their personal elevator pitch when someone asked the question, what do you do? Mm-hmm. And we got really good at that. And then, you know, we had some good strategies, but we couldn't figure out the right revenue model. So we had to close the company. As we were closing that down through my networking in Chicago, there was um, the, the CEO of a group called Bunker Labs, which is a uh, accelerator for military veteran entrepreneurs. Um, he had called me up because he was like, hey, I know you're good at this pitch stuff. We had a cohort come through recently and their demo day was really bad. Uh, we got a new cohort coming in. Would you like, could we like bring you on as an outside consultant to work with them on their pitches? And I was like, yeah, let's do it. Now, truthfully, I hung up the phone. I frantically Google searched like, what is a startup pitch? <laughs> And then I, I kind of saw like, oh, okay, here's the general structure. And I started to see like how it comes together as a story. And because I've just kind of always thought about communication and story, I was able to infuse my own um, ideas into it, into like a pre-existing framework and create something that really worked well for the people in that cohort. And then from there, I was like, this is really fun. I want to work with more companies, help them figure out how they should be pitching themselves and how they should tell their story. And it grew from there. Oh, that's crazy. Go ahead, Jason. Yeah, so I, I, you know, I don't want you to give away the secret sauce entirely, but I do do want you to talk a little bit about like what's your process. You know, you you get a call from who the CEO, and the CEO says, "Oh my God, we suck," and you know, we can't we can't sell. What you know, what are your next steps? Or is that the person who calls? How do, how does it get yeah. started? What do you what do you need? Yeah, so usually I'll work closely with the CEO, and then like whoever, like and then like the CMO or like head of revenue, whoever is leading up, like the revenue team, what we'll do if, if the company's already got like a lot of customers and we're trying to scale it even further, first thing we'll do is, is a demo audit. And I'll just listen to a handful of demo calls and discovery calls, understand how does the market think about this and how are we currently pitching it? And then in, in that process, I also just look at like, okay, well, how do we improve the demo flow overall? And then from that understanding, after listening to the voice of the customer, we create um, that K-PASA pitch. Now, if it's a company that hasn't scaled up yet or doesn't have that like that voice of customer, I've actually found you can get pretty far with this on hypothesis if you know about your market, if you've had a handful of conversations with your market. Like, you really need like three good conversations with your target audience to be able to put something down that's going to work pretty well, and then you continue to evolve it through the additional conversations you'd have over time. So like if I'm working with say like an early stage company, like they're pre-revenue, if they know their market, maybe they've only had a couple of customer conversations. If they know their market, we can put something together that's going to be pretty effective. And then we fine tune it from there um, as we learn more about the customer. When you're talking to somebody in an elevator and you're giving them the pitch, just because they're nodding their head doesn't mean they understand what you're saying for all the new 
salespeople out there. They're just being kind. And then number two, what is our sales pitch? What's our elevator pitch for the sassholes? Carney, Ferrara? I'll hang, I'll hang up and listen for my answer. Thank you. <laughs> the podcast, a new uh, long time listener, first time caller. Yeah, it's, it's a podcast for newer leaders in the SaaS uh, in the SaaS environment, uh, from sales to finance, and we talk about everything in corporate America and bring on a lot of guests to sort of educate you guys. Does that work? It'll that was off the do. cuff. And we got the market really guy. Think of, What's it's up a data driven actual insight podcast <laughs> with artificial intelligence. Because Pete lacks a lot. How about How's the that? marketing guy that just got employed? Yeah, what? So you want? I mean, I I don't think my elevator pitch is much different than Carney's. I you know I think it's I think it's new new leaders on the go to market teams is is my experience with this podcast. So if you're selling or bringing on partners or responsible in some way to communicate, this is what this company does. Zassholes has information you need to make a part of your a part of your job. Now, Raj is sitting here listening to this, going, "Hmm, we got to work on all of this. We're, we're missing yeah. something here. What, you know, what are we missing?" We also but, curse out Joel yeah. Cheeseman on uh, Chad and Cheese Show, and then never. But that's not <laughs> unique. That's not a unique differentiator, is it? That happens. <laughs> Everybody does that. <laughs> well, may may I diagnose? Yeah, yeah, okay, absolutely. Great. So James or, or Carney. Jamie. As, yeah, Carney. Jamie. Okay. Mm-hmm. Carney, as, as he's been, been referred to here. You so if we follow that K Pasa model, you went straight yeah. to the S, the solution. So this is what we this is what it is. This is what we do. Now, yes, there's always room for like a quick five second one liner pitch, but I don't let companies succumb to that at the expense of understanding what value they truly deliver. Because just having a one-liner. Yeah, sure. Like there are situations that you might need that. What I've actually found those in the K-PASA model, even though it maybe takes, you know, a little bit longer, 30 to 60 seconds, because of the way it's structured, you actually get the person to want to keep listening. Even if they're like, I only have 15 seconds. Yeah. Turns out they create 30 more seconds if you can get them hooked the right way. And so what we want to do, so let's look at like, who, who's the target audience of the show? Who's the, who's the listener of the show? I think Jason, you said it was like new go-to-market leaders. I'd say 26 to 35 year olds. And and revenue, primarily in the revenue org. And then there's people that we've worked with that are laughing at us. Yeah. (laughs) yeah, Those are our most uh, avid listeners because I get texts from them all the time. (laughs) All right. So you've got, and and they're, are they the revenue leaders or are they mainly like the the practitioner, like the AE or the SDR? I would say team leads. They're running maybe a group of five to 10 reps. Okay, so we got like a head of sales, we got an SDR manager, that kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. Tell me what challenge or challenges that person is facing. No well, experience. You have no experience. They're thrown into the fire and say, figure it out, right? Yeah. Okay. Every situation is new to them. Mm-hmm. Okay. And what does this show, what would you say this show provides for that person? You're I would the say the opposite of us. <laughs> <laughs> we sort of go through like, like there's been shows that we've done on what HR's role is in a company. You know, we've done shows on, so you know that there's a company specific motive behind HR. And so Mm -hmm. don't look at HR as your place to sort of 
run to and tell them all your fears and, and misnomers and concerns about certain people or anything you've done, know that they're there to protect the company first. So we're, we're, we're like going through those types of different scenarios that you may encounter. How do you get to quota? How do you handle when quota is too high? How do you handle when you're behind? What can you control the controllables? You know, sort of that type of stuff. And yeah, marketing I, always sucks. Okay. Yeah, that's that's Pete's philosophy. I, you know, yeah, I would I would say that to to echo what what Jamie said, you know, how companies work. Like, if you get if you get in a big org, how how do these companies relate to each? How do the departments in a company relate to each other? Two is how you identify, how you make mistakes, how you identify mistakes, and what you do with that. Because I think a lot of what we talk about is. What happens in this situation? I remember when this happened to me. Um, so there's a mistake angle of it. And then and then this is the, um, where do I go to learn more? What are the resources I need? Because sometimes you're not getting that from, from your direct leader. You know, I, I, Pete's a huge advocate of continuous education. And I think this podcast, one of the things about this podcast is, that concept and where you go to learn those things. Yeah. I mean, when Pete and I came up with this concept, it was correct me if I'm wrong, people, we just said, Hey, it should just be like us two in a conference room and we're bringing people in to sort of talk about whatever we want to talk about, whatever they want, whatever we feel is out there. And it was candid conference room talk. I think people have to understand that business is really messy. You know, the corporate world professionalism, it's messy and it's okay. And, and get getting about getting to remove obstacles to help people achieve, achieve their goals. I think that's what we're trying to do. I'm going to take that information we just talked through and I'm going to like freestyle a pitch here. Um, so you don't have to work with me here because I'm coming out, I'm coming off the top, uh, yeah, off the top with this and I'll give you kind of my like version of like the kind of like think of like the advertising version of it. Maybe not like what you'd say in like a one-on-one conversation, but like the more like the banner version of it. And it would be something like figuring out quota, dealing with uh, a rep who's been underperforming, knowing who to talk to at your company for the right questions or, or to get the right answers. Being Leading a team is scary. And if you're new, knowing where to go to ask the questions, even at a company, even if you're at a company, that has a good learning culture can still be a daunting task because you want to look good in your role. Sassholes is the podcast where you can get all your questions answered, where you can get all your questions answered um, without having to worry if it's going to make you look bad. We bring on experts every single week who talk through their lived experiences, leading teams, growing teams, and scaling companies And we share our own experiences being in the fire ourselves so that you know when you have a job to do at work, you can lead your team with confidence because of sassholes. And then action step would be like, listen to us on Apple, Spotify, Google, et cetera. Well, screw this podcast. I want to listen to that one. (laughs) (laughs) Whoever's leading that podcast, we got to get them on. (laughs) Raj Nation for the win. <laughs> you know, and again, that was, you know, I, I literally that was great. that as I was speaking it, but that you can kind of see the idea, right? I open with the mm-hmm. problem, you get someone to identify with where they're at today, and then you naturally lead them to like where they can go with it. And yeah. by the time you finish describing the problem, again, the person is already starting to visualize and think about, well, where's this going? And you if know what you I, articulate you know what that I, well, you don't have to say so much about what it is you offer. 
I really liked about that is a lot of people in their podcast and their uh, uh, elevator pitches do uh, a little bit similar. They add one, but they do rhetorical questions, which just drives me nuts. Mm. You know, like, have you ever blah, blah, blah. It's like, like uh, infomercial style, right? Yeah. yeah. It's like, and they, that's their elevator pitch. It's like, have you ever yeah. been a new leader and don't know what you're doing? Well, listen to the podcast. You know, it's like, uh, just stop. You had me, I, I, you lost me. So I, I really enjoyed what you just did there. So for anyone listening out there that needs a, a hype man, I think uh, Raj just nailed that out of the park. We weren't planning on talking about that. I just sort of threw it out there as a question. Yeah, whose podcast is this? I know. Whose show, is, whose show are we on? Yeah, we're on the hype man <laughs> Whose line is it anyway? <laughs> so Raj, one of the things I wanted to talk a little bit about is once you get like the elevator pitch down, you know, there are multiple audiences in a company for what, what you do. Right. And so how do those multiple audiences use deliverables from you? What are all the ways that people that you think people should be using what you do for them? So what we try to do um, is we, this idea of like, how do you like unlock the scalable narrative is through this whole process that I call building a story stack. Um, So like you're familiar with the term tech stack, um, story stack is, Hey, what are the different layers of messaging, um, that your company is going to need to be able to be successful. And so what it involves is like, we do the demo audit, we do the elevator pitch, we figure out like, what's your company's manifesto, like, you know, like what, what's the vision ultimately, what's your pitch deck you're using in your customer conversations? How does your, how does your demo flow look? How do you talk about customer success stories? All right. And there's a couple other elements as well, but um, ultimately, the elevator pitch does is, is it unlocks the rest of that story stack. So you have that top line way, which, which I just delivered, which is honestly, it's really good, like landing page copy, like homepage. Like if you want to, you want to get your audience to know what you do really yeah. quickly, use problem approach solution action. And then we look at, all right, well, how do we like, how do we contextualize this? So if you were on, say, like a demo call, you know, you wouldn't speak like you're broadcasting a message on radio you'd take it and you'd modify it slightly to make it more conversational. And then we look at, all right, well, how do we take this and make it, make it work for our outbound campaigns? And we look at, all right, well, what are the different ways we can represent this pitch through prospecting? And maybe it's the solution is delivered as a video or the solution is delivered as, um, as a graphic, as an image. Maybe you, you know, with the, with the problem statement, you talk about it, if it's a personalized outreach, you look at it in specific to that company's situation after having diagnosed them. And one thing I'll say in a B2B setting, almost always, I would probably even just say always, um, what I do and what I recommend everyone does is when you deliver that problem, you deploy this technique I call uh, diffusing it across the market. So you don't go into a, a cold email you don't go into a call and say, hey, you, uh, hey, you revenue leader, you really stink at this thing. You have these problems. Because that person, especially if it's like a cold email, but if you don't really have rapport with them yet, they're going to be like, you don't know me. Get out of here. Even if they actually do have those problems, they're going to say, you don't know me. Who do you think you are? So what you want to do is diffuse it across the market and say something like, hey, so-and-so, we've been talking to blank who've told us blank. We've been talking to other revenue leaders recently and they've been telling us things one, two, and three. So now you've diffused it across the market, which means you highlight the problem without accusing them of having the problem. You're also creating social proof by saying I'm talking to other people, which does a few things. It indicates that you're in the game. You're not some outsider tapping on the glass trying to get in. 
And it makes it okay because if they are aware that other people in their position have these struggles, it makes it okay for them to admit outwardly that they also have this struggle. And then Jason, just following up on the rest of your question there, uh, so that we use that as a building block then to create the deck and so on and so forth. So it's like you, you take that top line pitch and then you contextualize it to the situation and the use case. And so if I'm, if I'm running a... If I'm running a sales team of, I'm, I'm one of many team leads, but my team happens to be five or six people. And I feel like we're struggling with messaging, elevator pitch, you know, sort of connecting the people I'm talking to with the, with the problem. But I also know that I'm not the one who's going to be able to go sell this to the, to somebody else to pay for. Like, what, what do I need to do? Get this together. You know, what, are there little steps that I can do as a leader to help me to put this together to, to make sense of it, to get my team a little bit more effective, you know, without going out and, and hiring you, like, are there things that I just, what, what do I do? I'm, I'm feeling inadequate. I gotta, I gotta take some action now. Yeah. Well, I think it always, you always have to have like executive buy-in for this. Right. And, I, and yeah. I, that's where I think the best way to do that is to, you know, I, I always have to involve the CEO is you have to know what is the CEO's vision? What do they believe the industry is supposed to be as a result of your company? What do they believe for the state of the industry or the better future state of the industry? When you, that, and that kind of serves as like your charter. And when you have that, it's like, all right, well, what are the ways we can, re- we, we can deliver on that? So if, you know, if you're leading a team, you've, now, you've got, now you know you have something to map messaging to, right? So it's like big picture vision gets mapped towards boots on the ground messaging across sales and marketing. Once you have the idea of the vision, then you talk to your practitioners on your team and you understand what have you been hearing? What have people been saying? Or, or if you have a tool like Gong or anything like that, right? You listen yourself because it's hard to deny messaging that you have, you have, you can point to proof to say the customers are talking about this or the leads are talking about this. Right. And that's yep. where you really, it really helps to like towards getting alignment. Um, you know, so a company I used to work at marketing would come up with a bunch of like, you know, pretty good visual stuff that us as salespeople would be like, all right, cool. Toss it in the folder. Maybe I'll use it someday. And then you inevitably just like hack together your own thing anyways. Um, Cause you don't right. feel that it's adequate for the situation because marketing was not listening to the customers. They thought they knew what the customers wanted. And ultimately they come up with a lot of like buzzwordy sounding things, but at the end of the day, it's not grounded in any sort of like reality. And so the, the path there to, you know, full circle answer your question, Jason, it's like CEO vision, that's the charter. So we know what we're mapping towards and then customer voice of customer at the bottom. And so yep. we get this kind of top, uh, top down and bottom up messaging structure. How much, how much control do you want over the script? Like, you know, you got a hundred reps, 50 reps, Yeah, good question. you know, you're coming up with the script for them, their elevator pitch. Yeah. Uh, I know most of these guys want to create their own elevator pitch. So how do you go about institutionalizing the script? You want to have like the right frameworks in place and say, Hey, here's like a standardized way of doing this. And, and, and admittedly, this is the biggest challenge on the implementation side is getting that standardization. And, and, you know, it takes several months to get there because people, you know, they think they've been doing it their own way for a while, or they want to, you know, they think they know the best way, whatever it might be. So 
it's like, all right, here's what a all, you know, all things equal. Here's what our you know messaging structure looks like. Here's what our demo sequence or our demo flow looks like. <laughs> Understanding that there's nuance based on the situation. And so here's how you'd take this standardized structure. Here's an example of how you'd modify it to the situation. Let's say you're using the elevator pitch because we've been talking about that a lot. And it is the precursor to going into a demo when you're on a demo call. Could deliver it just like top line, but since it's a conversation and you've, if you've done your job, you've already done some discovery, you'd want to say it in a way where it's like, well, hey, everything that you've told me is really helpful. And it's actually pretty similar to what, uh, what I've been hearing from some other, you know, insert roles here, uh, to, you know, to some other revenue leaders as well. And they've been telling me things like, a, B, and C. And I've also heard what you just told me, you know, one, the one and two, those points you mentioned, they've told me that as well. So what we've been doing is, I mean, you do approach and solution, and then that tees up your demo, your actual like demo you're going to run then. Right. So it's like, hey, here's the standard, here's the structure, and we got to get standardization across the structure. And from that, yes, we know there might be situational nuance, but but the standard is not nuanced. The standard is mm -hmm. a standard. The, but isn't the problem with that is always that sales reps, especially hunters, don't care about renewals, right? So they're going to say whatever they can to get the deal in the door. So that's always a problem. So how do you monitor that? Because I find that, especially in new up-and-coming businesses, probably more than anything, uh, they'll hire reps. They don't have a lot of control over how they're talking. A lot of that, promises are made. And it is, but especially now in a virtual world, you can't sit there and listen to these guys talk, right? Yeah, you right? can. Yeah, you can. <laughs> what are you talking about? I mean, about? I, would, I would argue you have more time to listen to people talk in a virtual yeah, world. Yeah, there are tons well, of tools no, to you, do that. Well, if the, if the reps, you can put all the bullet points down. You can make a script, which I think you need to have a script. Because if you don't, you lose control of the conversation. Rep don't because they don't want to sound like a robot. You sound like a robot when you don't practice it. Yeah. So you can, they can do whatever they want and they want to wing it. They lose control. They get lost and the buyer goes on to a more knowledgeable seller. That, yeah. That's, that's my two cents. Yeah. I mean, I, I have a tendency to agree with Pete in the sense that if you have somebody who's not going to follow the script, I think over the long term, that person's not going to be successful because yeah. they're what'll start happening is the clients that they sign using the wrong script will not be happy, will not be happy clients and will leave because they were promised something they may not get or there's misalignment mm -hmm. there. And that that's going to smoke itself out. Now, I think the trick is how long does that take, right? How much damage does a rep do in that state? However, you know, full disclosure, Raj and I know each other and in fact just met each other this Only morning. For four so hours. Isn't, this is yeah, hysterical. Yeah, so before, <laughs> before the podcast, you guys just realized. <laughs> but listen, Raj, you and I just had that conversation this morning about yeah. the script and how long you give somebody to use the script before they can make it their own. And so, you know, yeah. this is a really important topic that we've touched at on before in this yeah. podcast, which is how do you get them to want to have the script and then own it and like have it be a real thing that they can use to their success? Well, and, and to that point, I think in this, and Karin, this is probably the best answer to your question is you have to give them the freedom to make it their own, but mm -hmm. it's starting from like, everyone's using the same mold of clay at the beginning and then 
you know, molding it in the way that works for their personality, right? Like for me, I'm a very outgoing person. So I'm going to deliver it with a little bit more like panache than someone who's more introverted. And that can be okay if they're introverted. So it's like, all right, let's take this messaging and look at how do we make it work for you and your personality and your personality type. And that's why I'm so big on teaching this stuff through frameworks, right? Like, like the customer success story, like talk tracks that, you know, I'll, I'll work with companies on. I always tell them, I'm like, I'm not saying what I wrote here is exactly what you need to say. That's not my concern. This is an example for you to model off of. What I want you to do is follow the structure on how to tell a good customer story. Because you're going to have, you know, different circumstances and situations, but the way that story is delivered should always be the same or, you know, 98% the same because it's designed to deliver information in a particular way that gets someone to say, oh yeah, all right, well, I can see how that could make sense for us, right? And so you, there is room for creative liberty here. And, and like, you know, like for example, like at, at Jason, where Jason's at with SearchSpring, which is one of the, you know, I've been working with them for seven, eight months now. And now Jason's on board with them. And again, that was where we talked this morning for the first time and then realized we were going to be on the same podcast literally <laughs> when we jumped onto this call. For, for, you know, for the podcast listeners at home, Jason did not realize Nor did I. that you were on the podcast until you turned on, until he joined and the video was on and you guys just ended a conference yeah, call? Yeah, like three hours prior to this, yeah. we were on a call. So we and you... You and uh, and us, we we scheduled this like four weeks ago. And Jason, you've only been working at that company for a week, right? Two, two, two weeks. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. this had so no, how, you know, crazy no connection here. Small is. world. See how important it is to read the script, <laughs> <laughs> or, or just read the calendar invitation. <laughs> at th- at this point, I go completely off script. Hey, Raj, I think, well, first of all, I think there was a thread there. That I don't remember what it was, but I want to go back to something before I forget, because I think you, you said, not I think, you'd say something that was really important for new leaders to hear and for everybody in the business to hear. And that was, what is the CEO's vision? And so if you're in a company that does a really great job where the CEO does a really great job of communicating that vision, you know, you can't be asleep when the CEO is talking. And you have to go consume all the things that that CEO says, because there's like gold in what they're saying. And second of all is if you're at a company where the CEO does not articulate the vision well or purposely doesn't do it, you should start looking for a new job because you're not going to get help from that level. And that is that is where the gold is. Now, it's not what comes out of the CEO's mouth just doesn't get written on a piece of paper and said to somebody else. But in most cases, not. But there is there's such important information there. And you really have to. That's one of the things you have to think about when you look for a job or when you're in your current roles, that connection to the CEO. I'll tell you, I work with a lot of CEOs who are having trouble articulating the vision. They have it in their head, figuring out how to actually say that or communicate that is tough, which is, you know, that's yeah. really like why I exist and yeah. from a business standpoint. And the key with that, though, is that there is gold there. It's just a matter of being able to figure out how, to, how do you ask the right questions. That's right. And how do you um, how do you listen the right way even? And, and you know, one of the que- like when I'm in my own pre-sale, one of my like discovery questions is, "Tell me about your vision 
for this company and, 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 and the industry. Nine out of 10 responses. It literally just happened this, after Jason, after you and I got off that call this morning, I had a call like that. I had a discovery meeting and nine out of 10 times it happened this morning as well. They will give me a very tactical response. Like, oh, our product helps customers do this. And I'm like, I didn't ask you what your product does. Yeah. I asked yeah. you, what's your vision? And, do you, and, and then what I tell them then is, do you see how this might be affecting how your entire company is talking about the product? If when I'm asking you about vision, you're jumping to product. And so that's where yeah. we have this, this gap and this need to, I, I, I wouldn't necessarily say if your CEO is doing that, leave the company. I think what it means is if your CEO is doing that, find five different ways to ask that question until you get an answer that you're more satisfied with. And then that's great. Yeah, hey, I know we're coming up in time, but I want to make sure we get, how can people, what type of customers are you typically working with? And then how can people reach out to you? Uh, because there's so many companies that are having the problem that you have and you're, you're good at the solution. So. Yeah, of course. So I primarily work with um, scaling B2B SaaS companies, like say like, low watermark is like 3 million annual revenue all the way up to like 30-ish annual revenue. Um, I mean, you could be doing more than that, which is great, but that's probably the, the main uh, type of company I'm working with. Um, the other thing I would say is you have to sell a product that I would say like minimum co- annual contract value is like one to $2,000 at, at minimum. It can't be a product that is someone could just enter their credit card on your yeah. webpage and that's the extent of the sale because that's a totally different sale altogether. Um, so it's gotta be something that involves, um, a rep. involves some interaction. And a lot of times it's a multi-stakeholder deal as well, which you're having to like thread those people together. Um, I think your other question was where can people find me? Is that right? Yep. Great. Yeah. So um, my website is startuphypeman.com. You can also like, please reach out to me on LinkedIn because I'm like insanely, probably overly active on LinkedIn. What I'll do though is put together. So we talked about that K-PASA formula here. Yeah. Um, what I'll do is put together a page specific to this show. So we'll do startuphypeman.com slash sassholes. And I will add to that page a copy of a K-PASA pitch guide. That'll, cause I would imagine people who listen to this were probably like doing, they're probably like, shopping for groceries or, or doing something multitasking. Yeah. So if you want to like recap of what we talked about and you want to like get some discussion prompts over your own K-POS elevator pitch, you'll be able to startuphypeman.com slash sassholes and I'll drop a, a guide for you there. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, he's yeah. good. Thanks for listening to the sassholes. <laughs> yeah. On behalf of Jason, Jamie, and myself, Pete, we thank you for listening and asking Give us five stars on Apple Podcasts. <laughs> Smash the like button on Facebook, Instagram, and follow us on Twitter. Dude, this could be a living. Not so much making money, but this could be a living doing this. I'm in the back of a minivan right now. Marines driving, and this is... Doing what? Podcasting from the back of the minivan? Last I checked, we hadn't made a dime off of that. (laughs) 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 So what type of living you're talking about? Dude, this could be a living. This could be a living. Let's try to hold this one. I'm just watching my... Here's Ferrara. Trying to make this a quick one. Uh, who knows? If it's good content, it's good content. What are you going to do? Take a dump? Yeah.
Sure. Hey, guys. Hey, what's up? Okay, congrats. Hey. Thank you. Way to be employed. I know. How about wow. that? Wow. I've forgotten what it was all, I forgot what it was all about. Do you hate it? <laughs> all right, I'm going to let Rajiv in. Keep going. So have you announced it? Have you changed your LinkedIn profile and everything? Uh, I have not changed my LinkedIn profile yet. Um, got some background noise here. Not sure if you can hear that, but I got somebody drilling the common top. I'm going to win next year. Oh. Yeah, I can hear it. Okay, I'll Hello. What's up, team? Hey, what's going on? Raj, you got to be you got to be kidding me. You got to be fucking kidding me that we're talking today. Oh my god. Why? Wait, it's you. <laughs> you got to be fucking kidding me. Wait, do you guys know each other? <laughs> we just met. Yeah. Today. We just met this morning. Oh my god. He's going to be for my new company. <laughs> you guys are they're both both at the same company. <laughs> just met this morning. That's amazing. Wait, did you know that when he was joining on, or you just saw the face and said, holy cow, it's the same guy? Yeah, I just didn't now. even think about it until just now, when I saw him. Yeah, and I didn't I didn't see, like, on the meeting invitation, it didn't, I don't think it had, like, last name. I, w- I mean, I'm not thinking about it. I'm Yeah, I'm going from the one thing to the next, you know? I'm not really thinking. Oh, my God. That's hilarious. That is fucking great. Wait, what are you doing for his company? Uh, I've been working with so SearchSpring. I've been working with them for the last like eight months or so on their on their messaging and their their sales narrative. Wow, that's crazy, isn't that? Yeah. What a coincidence! Small world, <laughs> totally. <laughs> oh man, well, this will be fun. <laughs> this is uh, serendipity. You better be. Uh, is that yeah. the right word? Yeah, yeah I, think I think so. so. I think it is. Now you can't badmouth his company. Right? Yeah, exactly. Right. We'll just, exactly. We'll just exactly. change the name to Zebra Technologies or something. I like think, that. based on our conversations this morning, I think we see eye to eye on what needs work and what doesn't. So I think that we're we're good there. Well, that's perfect. So, so Raj likes marketing. That makes one of us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Raj. Trust me. Watch out for Pete. <laughs> Um, oh, let me speak, just, I just want to pull of, up. So you had sent me that thing yesterday. I just want to make sure I have it in front of yeah, me. Yeah, so good. Read that appropriately. You can change it. Uh, who sent it yesterday? Can you no, you, you you can't change it. Can't change a word. Yeah, Pete. He doesn't really know how to spell very well. His real name is longer than Pete. That's just anything over four letters. He's... Your real name can't is I... Kim Jong Un. I was laughing because I'm such a big fan of like bad puns and dad jokes. So I was laughing at the chef and the pasta way. Oh, don't, don't, don't. <laughs> See, underrated. Yeah. Underrated. 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 Laugh. Pete, where are you? Somewhere else today? I am on the way. To, I'm on the way to Minneapolis to uh, uh, bring in marshmallows and hot dogs. You are you? You're bouncing around. Yeah. Are you like yeah. in a train car? I. Well, in here, the... I, I'm in I'm in the back of a minivan. Oh, okay. With a, yeah. Is it, hey, let me fix the stability. Here, how's that? Yeah. Is that good? <laughs> 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 All right. So, uh, what what are we going to talk about on this show, guys? Well, I mean, Raj, you're the hype man, right? You're the flavor yeah. flavor. Well, he's, right? well he's, he's the Raj Nation. 
I'm, I, I was expecting you to have a big clock on your chest with a necklace. Hey, I got a championship belt. It's just as good. You do. I see that. <laughs> which, which championship belt is that? Is that... It's a custom-made startup hype man belt, brother. Oh, look at that. Yeah. Look at that. Oh. Oh. Here. oh, that'll be on the promo. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know what the difference between champ and chump is? Butter, eh? You. Yeah. Ah. Oh. <laughs> See what I did there? I like you did. Like you you flipped lot. the script. That, that'll, that'll make it. All right, so the way this works, Raj, is we just go through. Well, let's uh, start with the intro. We'll start with the intro, then we just go through some stuff, then we just have a conversation. You, you can yeah. tell us however you want us to direct the conversation. Obviously, Jason, you should probably direct a lot of the questioning since... You, you two are just having a meeting. Why don't you guys just continue what your are meeting? What the freaking odds? <laughs> it is really bizarre. It is really bizarre that that's how this worked out. And I, then, think, uh, I, think, I think Raj is a sneaky one. Something's going on with Raj here. Yeah, I think that's hysterical. And it's it's and I and when this got booked, actually, you weren't even at Search for yet, were you? No, this has been on the calendar for like, like no. three, four weeks. Yeah, yeah. Where are you living, Raj? You're in Chicago. Oh, and that's the other thing, too. I'm in Chicago, and we've, I just found out this morning that Jason used to live in Chicago. <laughs> yeah. Where I'm in, where in Chicago are you? Uh, where are you I'm at right now? The West Loop, and where West I am Loop. right now is at my, my office is in Pilsen. I got you. Okay. Nice. I'm on, I'm on the northwest side. Pete ran from the city and lives in Lake Forest. Uh, so cool. It's a Chicago cast. This yeah, is great. Chicago cast. Perfect. Holy crap, that's a keeper. Yeah, that's a keeper. Good job. You are Raj Nation. But I was going to say one take is unusual. Yeah. Hey, another question. You said wrestling. You're a big wrestling fan. Who's your favorite wrestler and who's your favorite heel? Huh? Currently or of all time? Of all time. Let's start of all time. Favorite wrestler of all time is the Heartbreak Kid, Shawn Michaels. Ooh. All right. And I think... The times when he was heel, no one was better than Rock. Now, Heartbreak Kid, he didn't he start out as a tag team with Brutus the Barber Beefcake? Or is no, someone that? who wore basically the same outfit, uh, Marty Janetti. Marty they were the Rockers. Jamie just wanted to say Brutus no, I, Beefcake. When I was a kid, when I was a kid, uh, the British Bulldogs Note were my favorite self. tag team. Edit all that out of the podcast. <laughs> British Bulldogs are my favorite tag team. Hulk, uh, uh, you know, I do a Hulk impersonation still to this day. But, um, <laughs> and a Randy Macho Man Savage here. But um, there was that always the Killer Bees, if you remember the Killer Bees. B. Yes. Brian Blair and Jumping Jim Brunzel. One could jump, one could wrestle, but if they put a mask on, you didn't know who was who. It was the biggest farce ever. It was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> But Ricky the yeah, Steamboat Dragon and both of the guys. So my, my growing up period was the 90s, so I was like the, the WWF Attitude Era was my yeah. like heart of wrestling. I can't believe Stone Cold is not your guy. I love Stone Cold, but he was never my my, my go-to guy. Yeah, the Rock is the deal. Yeah, he's yeah. good. Thanks for listening to this asshole. <laughs> yeah. On behalf of Jason, Jamie, and myself, Pete, we thank you for listening and ask you to give us five stars on Apple Podcasts. <laughs> Smash the like button on Facebook, Instagram, and follow us on Twitter. I, I would like to say, Raj, thanks for coming yeah, on thanks. the show. Could you could you suggest somebody uh, that we should have on that's halfway as entertaining as you are? 
Um, Halfway is entertaining. You're going to get a lot of good insight out of my, my homie, uh, Jason Bay. If you don't know him, he runs a company called Blissful Prospecting. Uh, no one is better, in my opinion, at um, helping teams uh, unlock just amazing outbound prospecting strategies than he is. Hmm, that's a good one. Oh, all right, we're gonna get him on. We're gonna. And get he him likes. On. And here's how you can be entertaining with him. Uh, yeah. He's super into Van Halen, but he also actually likes Nickelback. Wait. He, he oh, will gladly oh. take crap for that if you if you give him crap. Which wow. Van Halen does he like? The David Lee Roth oh, Van boy. Halen or oh, the uh, Sammy Hagar? <laughs> Oh boy. Good question. I, I don't know if I know that lot of intro. Well, you need That's to know. Yeah, David Lee Roth, all of his songs are better than uh, Sammy Hagar besides one. <laughs> David Lee Roth looks like that puppet, Madam. You know, the, that, that, you know, <laughs> I know what you're talking about. He looks awful, <laughs> but he's amazing. He was amazing <laughs> when we like were uh, Van Halen. And I can't believe he likes Nickelback. So I, I'm assuming he likes. Um, Sammy Hagar. We, we have derailed. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Pete's in a band. Pete, this him. should be. You should be eating this up. You're. You're in a band called Chick Norris. You've been practicing it. When's your next uh, uh, show? It'll be uh, right right before the intro that Raj does on this podcast. Are you playing oh, really? in the in the North Woods? Is that why you're going up north? Because you're you got a gig. Uh. We're on our way to Minnesota, and we're, we've brought uh, marshmallows and hot dogs, and we're nice. looking f- to uh, cook them. Well, you don't have to go far. Chicago's going to be in the same we'll, situation. We'll, we'll, yeah. we'll edit it out of post. Hey, we're uh, also getting ready tomorrow for uh, Chad and Cheese. That ought to be interesting. I'll be, you know I'll Chad be and on. Cheese, Raj, or no? You don't know them? They, so Joel Cheeseman covered uh, recruiting space for 20 years. Yeah, we, we have issues with them. Yeah. Ferrari, so you gonna Pete, be around? For last that? time we had him on, yeah, Pete, Pete, on. Pete yeah. cursed out Joel Cheeseman, and then based on—is this still on air? By the way, yeah, well, he, <laughs> Absolutely. Re- he records everything because he forgot to record. It's all it. on air, so don't Who worry. You? Just so, the only part people listen to, right? Yeah, he oh, cursed out worry, Joel, right. and then we, we couldn't even we couldn't even produce the podcast <laughs> because it's, it's twenty minutes content, forty minutes outtakes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much, Raj, for having us on. I, I think of it's course. awesome that you two met I, this morning. I'm, so, I'm still blown away awesome. by that. Right on. I'm super excited. <laughs> hey, 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 Raj, split, and then Jason and uh, Jamie, I want to talk to you. All right. Okay. Okay. Thank you, guys. Hey, you know when this is going to go All right, Raj. He usually gets it done while you're traveling today, so probably tomorrow, right? Oh, cool. All right. That's quick. I'm going to edit. No, I'll get, I'll get it on tonight. Okay. Awesome. Appreciate it. I, I don't know how to, I got to 